Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful to be in the house of God once again? Great things happen when we are together. Amen. Under the grace, the favor of God. Good things begin to happen. And, and you know, Jesus uh, wants us to be real. He, you know, the Lord Jesus, His illustrations are never, never way above us. You know, He used illustrations that a farmer can understand, children can understand His illustrations. He would say things like, if you, being earthly fathers, and you are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. You know how to give good gifts to your children. You know how to give good gifts. How much more shall your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? To those who ask Him. That's the challenge we have. Sometimes we, we dare not ask God. You know, we dare not ask God um, for things that we feel is way beyond us. You know, we, we feel like uh, God is not interested in that. And that's why teaching is so important in the pulpit. Can I have a good amen? And we thank God that the ministry has blessed so many people all over the world, you know. So the thing is that we have the favor of God on this television. I don't even speak impeccable Queen's English. Like some of you down there, wow. If I close my eyes, I think you are probably born in the UK or in the States, you know. But God designed me in such a way for the ministry. I think when people are flipping through their channels, they stop because they are wondering, what kind of person is this? <laughs> so the whole thing, the birth, everything, that God had me birth for a purpose, born into the families for a purpose. My parents came together for a purpose, all right? But the physical part is just nothing. It's just an eye catcher. After that, it's all the substance of the Word of God. Amen. Amen? So everything has a purpose. The Bible says all things are done, all right? All things work together for good. So likewise, your life, where you are right now, the journey you're taking, even if you fall away from the Lord, the Lord has a way of upholding you. But, you know, don't, don't spend too much time running around the same mountain. Amen? Because there is such a thing as age, and age is passing, you know? Don't, don't, don't apply your, your talents and your skills in areas where you know you are not being fulfilled. Do not do things, you know, on your own, where God wants you together in a team. Do not, do not uh, engage yourself in, in jobs that pay well, but you are dying slowly. You hate it, all right? Uh, life, God, God wants you to have a long life, but this is just expression. Life is too short to make such silly mistakes, amen? No point climbing the ladder of success, all right, to find your ladder is on the wrong house. When you reach the top, you say, hey, this, this is not my house. You put the ladder in the wrong place. So make sure that when you follow the Lord, you're flowing with God, that you're open to, to, to your leaders. You know, if you want to embark on a Bible school, go to your leaders. Amen. Before you get married, go to your leaders. We call it premarital counseling. Amen. For the lack of this, we are seeing people later on, with all the love that they have right now for one another, later on it begins to break down. Because we can see things and God has given us the anointing. We are not your CEOs. We are not your coaches. We are your under-shepherds. We are shepherds. Our job is to shepherd. Amen. I know some people try to turn the church leadership into coaching. Into what, I, I believe those, those uh, secular terms should be, should be uh, kept in the secular world. 
the Lord tells us that we are to see the flock of God as a shepherd would see his flock. And uh, we shared last week how we need to, to see the Lord as our shepherd. In fact, the Bible says in Isaiah 53, talking about our Lord's work, before it says, uh, all we like sheep have gone astray, the verse before that ends with, with his Jesus' stripes, we are healed. And then the next verse, all we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way. Well, in 1 Peter 2, we see again, by whose stripes you were healed. Peter says, then Peter is quoting Isaiah, obviously. Then he says, for you were as sheep going astray, but you are now returned unto the shepherd. Isn't that wonderful? You are now returned. So what was going astray, all right, has now been returned. And the return, the voice there in the Greek is passive which means it's not you return, someone is returning you to the shepherd. And the idea there is that healing cannot flow, healing operates best um, in an environment where you know you are part of the flock and the Lord is your shepherd. And when he is your shepherd, you shall not lack. Can I have a good amen? Even when David became king, he never lost sight of the fact that his spirit was that of a shepherd. When, when the, he saw the angel of judgment was, was uh, slaying the people of Jerusalem because of his sin, the Bible says that he appealed to God. He cried to God. He says, this flock, you see, it came out of his heart. This flock, what have they done? It was I, I who have sinned. But this flock, he didn't say these people, these Jerusalemites. He didn't say the Israelites. He says this flock. So I believe that when we see people going astray, you know, Jesus looked at the sheep, at the people. He saw them as sheep going astray. They were tired, but he saw them with compassion because through his eyes of a shepherd, he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. So when you see all these things going on in Singapore, you know, funny, funny things, and uh, you see, you know, and you start wondering, right? you can have the attitude, a self-righteous attitude of saying, these people are going to hell. These people, you know, are, are this and these people are that. But that's not how the Lord looks at people. He sees them going astray. Going astray means there are things that go with the word astray. There are habits, conducts, lifestyles that go with the word astray. Don't be shocked when you see a drunkard acting like a drunkard. Why are you shocked? When a sinner sins, why are you shocked? The answer is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I have a good amen? I say the gospel is in, the gospel is the answer for the world today. And the gospel of Jesus Christ meets every need. Can I have a good amen? Praise the Lord. And we shared also the importance of how the gospel must include healing. Because when the Lord Jesus was on earth, the most pronounced, the most evident, the clearest of all his miracles was miracles of healing. He went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So God wants his people well. God loves to heal. I say God loves to heal. All right, the world, the world will break you down. It will break you down mentally. It will break you down emotionally. It will break you down socially. It will break you down physically. But the Lord loves to lift you up, to heal, and to put you back together. Amen. And if we look at all these people that are going astray. Amen. The Lord sees them as sheep going astray. So He has compassion, compassion towards them. You will, you will realize that these people, if, if they are going astray, if sheep go astray, there are a lot of lacerations on their bodies. 
You know, when I was in Israel, I saw sheep that are kept in the flock and sheep that are on the hills, they were dirty. They had lacerations on their bodies. You come close, you can see lacerations. Lines and lines of blood, dried blood. But when you look at the sheep that's taken care of, they are, they are uh, fairer, right? They are washed, they are healthier, and they even sound happier. And many of them are restful. They don't live life looking behind their back in case a predator comes. They know that the shepherd takes care of them. So be in the house of God, amen, not forsaking the assembling, all the more as you see the day approaching. Can I have a good amen? And I was mentioning that God wants you healed because there are people all over the world that need to hear the gospel of grace. And the gospel of grace that I've been preaching has resulted in many deliverances of people. Um, you can see this even on YouTube. You know, the testimonies that come in. People being healed. Uh, deliverance from addictions. Lifestyle addictions. You know, people, have, people think that, oh, those who are delivered in Pastor Prince's ministry or those who, who have a grace ministry, you know, they're just delivered from guilt and condemnation. No, they are delivered. In, in my ministry, they are delivered from pornography, they are delivered from drug addiction, especially these two comes up all the time. Can I have a good amen? Remove the condemnation, amen, and you must remove it judicially. You cannot just say, I, I refuse to feel guilty anymore. That's not the way to do it. You will feel guilty because you have a conscience. It must be removed righteously. Amen. Here is a testimony from Peggy in Washington, United States. I have been a missionary for 22 years in Guatemala, Central America. In the spring of 2014, while I was at a missionary convention, my left arm swelled to almost twice the size of the other. The local doctors told me to go back to the United States for more tests, and my doctors in Washington diagnosed me with stage 4 cancer. The cancer was in my bones and lymph nodes, and they said it was incurable. I felt deep despair when I heard the word cancer. It's stage 4. Shock and fear gripped my heart and paralyzed my faith. Facing cancer caused me to go deep into the things of God. Because of the teaching of Pastor Joseph Prince, the revelation of God's grace and our righteous standing before our holy God is very real in my life. As I listened to Pastor Prince's messages on healing, God's power and His Word illuminated my heart. Jesus bore this cancer and pronounced my healing finished 2,000 years ago. And so in faith, I declare, Jesus, you have healed me. Healing is my inheritance as your child. Then the Lord spoke to me saying, Peggy, this is not your time and you shall not die from this. I shared my testimony with my church and decided to go back to Guatemala. There was much work still to be done in Guatemala. God also opened the doors to put a Bible program in the Bible schools in Guatemala. This was God's time and there was a powerful movement of the Holy Spirit to reach unsaved children for Christ. When I returned to the United States in September 2014, I went for a positron emission tomography, PET scan. I was totally cleared of all cancer. Totally cleared of all cancer. The places in my spine where there was cancer were healthy and my lymph nodes were back to normal. The doctor was so pleased and he rejoiced with me. He was so moved by my miracle that he joined me in Guatemala. <laughs> this was a double miracle because much of my work there is with children who needed medical care. 
God is so good. I thank the Lord for the ministry of Pastor Joseph Prince, for the truth that is being shared about who Jesus really is and what He has done for us. Pastor Prince, please continue to share this good news no matter what the cost. You are giving the life of grace and truth to so many who are bound and in desperate need of the freedom Christ paid for. People say, we teach grace, we teach righteousness. What is the result? Where do we go from here? This. This is where we go from here. This is the result. You don't, you don't, you don't go and uh, add you know, weird, weird teachings to grace. You go deeper into grace. We never grow, all right, uh, towards grace. We always grow in grace. Amen. In grace. You've got to be planted in grace to grow in grace. Now, this testimony, uh, have you noticed that the testimonies that we share, and we don't have time to share, you just left. I said before, this is not a promotion. This is just pure facts. Go to our josephprince.com to the testimony section. I'm encouraging you to go to the testimony section and read for yourselves all the testimonies that, that we cannot read down here. All right? The whole of last year, if you want, you have a time. You know, if you are down, just reading it. When I'm down, in fact, that's how I, I found the, the beauty of this, these testimonies. When I'm down, I just read them and boy, it gives me back my, my sense of uh, purpose and direction as to why God raised me for this ministry. Amen. Because sometimes the devil's voice and accusations can be so loud, you forget. So I encourage you to read all the different testimonies that's there, all right? Fit on the entire last year one, because every month, fresh ones are coming in. Another thing that uh, uh, you will notice is this. In the body of Christ, there are different types of healing ministry. There are people who are, uh, their services, uh, they have people uh, in front all the time, and, and the pastors and leaders are laying hands all the time. And some people think that uh, unless you do this, there'll be no healing. All right? Now, usually when they do this, they either have a, a, a much bigger capacity um, um, uh, auditorium, okay? Or else it's a small church. A church like our size, where there are people also part of us that's watching, I can never lay hands on them. Okay? So smaller churches find that they can lay hands on them, go for it. But it does not mean that you are being deprived. Because in the ministry of the Holy Spirit today, all right, the Lord Jesus Christ is no longer here physically to touch you. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, He has become the, un the unlimited Jesus. Amen. He can be anywhere and everywhere. And, and people like this, uh, man, how many thousand miles away? Yeah. Watching me on television, the Holy Spirit is present in that room. Amen. If you believe the Word, you know, you can lay hands on people and many of them get up sick still. If there's no faith being released, teaching is paramount when it comes to healing. I said teaching is paramount when it comes to healing. You'll find phrases like this, and Jesus went about preaching and healing. Preaching and teaching first, preaching and teaching, and then healing. And the Bible says the people came to hear and to be healed. They didn't come to be healed only. They came to hear and to be healed. So just laying hands on people doesn't cut it. All right? By all means, lay hands. I still lay hands on people. I lay hands on my family members. Amen? But the thing is that uh, uh, many, many times the size plays a part and it does not mean you are being deprived. In fact, you are in the ministry of the new covenant where you believe while you're hearing, the miracle happens. While Cornelius' house was hearing, all right, the, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. While, while that lame man in Lystra was hearing Paul preach and Paul shouted, Paul didn't even lay hands. Paul shouted at him, Jump up! He jumped up, healed completely. Amen? And no longer a cripple. Isn't God good? I want to share with you today about 
the the blessings of Hebraism, and uh, not not the book uh, not the book of Hebrews here or the language Hebrew language, but please understand that the entire Bible. If you want to understand the entire Bible, it cannot be understood by a Western mindset. I said it cannot be understood by a Western mindset. Because the Western mindset increasingly has become more and more, we have left the realm of uh, Elizabeth Browning, John Keats, William Wordsworth, in those days when they were very poetic, you know, they don't tell a girl, man, you look like a, 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 a dead cow or something like that. Today, they are so crude, you know. Lysander will say to Hermia, why is thy chick pale? How chance the roses there do fade so fast? He's actually saying something negative, but he's saying in such a way that the girl won't mind. <laughs> oh man, we have, we have lost the art of poetry. And many a times I like to read poetry because it brings me back to the days when, when life was honorable. Men honored women. Women don't mind being women. Women don't mind receiving the, the love. Amen. They realize God made men women equal but different. Men to give, women to receive and enjoy. Amen. So there was a time when, when life was, was beautiful, when life was honorable. People use the word please and all that. They don't use the, the you know, that, that, that terrible word they use, you know, with the F word in front uh, uh, so freely. And that's why we teach our young people because when someone has lost control, it's no longer cool. Cool is someone who has his anger restrained, he's able to dominate, he's able to control you, he's able to beat you up even, but cool is his strength under control. And, and the world admires that. So a cool guy will not be using the F word all the time. Your tongue has gotten hold of you and your tongue doesn't even have a bone. But your tongue is controlling you. Amen. So the thing is that uh, uh, there was a time life was beautiful, you know, and and uh, we use words, romantic words. Even the Song of Songs is full of these words. Hebraism. Unless you understand that, you won't understand the Bible. The Bible has words like torn in the flesh. And then the Western mindset takes it and says that Paul has a torn in the flesh unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation. So, so Paul had so much revelations, all right? Literally, it was an abundance a thorn in the flesh was given to me, Paul said, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, because of this, there are uh, all kinds of uh, uh, theories that certain scholars came up with saying that, you see, uh, we, we, you all talk about healing, but Paul, Paul had a thorn in his flesh. So for them, thorn in the flesh is literally thorn in the flesh. You know, you know how silly that is? It's Hebraism. It's an expression. Yeah, it sounds poetic, but it's an expression. So we must understand Hebraism. Amen, people. A thorn in the flesh. And someone says, uh, 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 one theologian says that Paul had pus running out of his eyes. You know? And, and that's why uh, 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 the Galatians actually told, uh, Paul told the Galatians, uh, where is the blessedness you used to have? I, I would have vouched for you that you would have plucked out your eyes and give, give it to me. Actually, what happened was that before Paul preached the Galatians, uh, Paul was beaten up, beaten up physically, all right, with fists and left for dead and stoned even. And then when Paul got up, of course, he had, he had, you know, all the bruises and his eyes could hardly be opened. That's not a disease. 
He suffered for his faith. He suffered for preaching as a missionary. Can I have a good amen? God never promised that we, we will not suffer persecution. When people write things, today persecution is like writing things. <laughs> you know, people block about you. Wrong things, false things. They try to rip something up and, and try to conjure it up. But the thing is this, God never promised that He will deliver you from persecution. In fact, the word use is like this in, in Philippians. It is given unto you, it is given unto you. And the word given is the word charizomai, which is a gift of grace. <laughs> it is a gift of grace given to you to suffer for His sake. But suffer does not mean sick. Why? Suffer does not mean living in sin. Because both sin and sickness is taken by our Lord Jesus at the cross. In fact, in James, it clearly says, is any afflicted? Let him pray. The next verse, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Notice, afflicted and sick are two different things. Afflicted means you are being persecuted. You are going through hardship. Amen. Can you imagine Paul? His eyes running with pus, like this theologian says. All right? Paul had an eye problem, eye disease. And the Bible says that uh, when, he, when he went to uh, Ephesus, all right, this is what he did. The Bible says uh, God did uh, uh, great things, Acts uh, 19. Now, this, was, this happened in Ephesus, you know, the book of Ephesians written to these people. Paul was there. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. A few years ago, I was in Ephesus and, and they, they, they worshipped the goddess Diana. All right? So this is a place where it was steeped in hedonism and see what God did through Paul. God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from Paul's body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. Paul was exuding so much resurrection life that even his hanky could drive evil spirits out when placed on another person or heal anyone. Now, if his eyes was running with pus, all right, and he cleaned it with his hanky, obviously he's using his hanky for those kind of things, and it tells you, like, put this on your disease. Will you do it? <laughs> You're not ready to be infected. Amen? Use your head. Those people receive miracles because they saw that, I mean, Paul always had signs of bruises on his face, but that has nothing to do with disease. He got beaten up many times. In fact, this is, go back to 2 Corinthians 12. If you look at the verse, the chapter before this, he lists out, Paul lists out the sufferings he went through, all right, perils of false brethren, beaten, shipwrecked, stoned, all the sufferings, but not sickness. So what is torn in the flesh? Go back to it again. It's a torn in the flesh. And it tells you who is it? A messenger of Satan. Angelos. Messenger. It's a personality. An evil spirit was, was following Paul, stirring up rebellion, stirring up revolt against Paul. And many times it's a religious spirit. You know, the same thing for me. You know, there are, are uh, many, many religious spirits they will stir up. Every time grace is preached, they will stir up and they appear religious, angels of light. They don't come telling you that, that uh, you know, Pastor Prince says, love your, your wife. I, I'm here to tell you, hate her. <laughs> All right? They won't come like that. Evil spirits come and say, uh, uh, that's why it's important for you to keep the commandments, keep the laws, All right? observe the Sabbath on Saturday instead of Sunday. Because those who believe in keeping the law, they don't even do that. 
And the Bible says you break one, you break all, okay? So, these are angels of light. They are Judaizers that came after Paul. And they persecute Paul. And many a times it costs Paul physically. Okay, are you with me so far? So what is it? It tells you the messenger of Satan. It tells you in the context. It will just keep things in its context. A thorn in the flesh is a messenger of Satan. Like you say, you know my colleague, this colleague, she's a pain <laughs> in the neck. Right? Once upon a time, it was in the neck. The world had lasted. Once upon a time, the world was beautiful. You know? Uh, it's an expression. doesn't mean that she, she's biting your neck and wherever you go, all right, you go to the food court to eat, she's biting your neck all the time. Can you understand that or not? Can we understand that? So it's Hebraism. Torn in the flesh is Hebraism. Praise the name of Jesus. Now I'm going to show you Hebraism from the Old Testament, especially the Old Testament because the Old Testament was, in, was written in Hebrew. Okay? Like when it, God says, I bring you to a land flowing with milk and honey. Some of you will say, well, 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 well very, very sticky, you know, Pastor Prince. <laughs> this is going to be one sticky event. You know? Even boats cannot go fast. The land is flowing with milk and honey. You know, and some parts, uh, if it's uh, flowing too fast, you are walking on cheese. <laughs> oh, man. It's, you know, the churning of milk, right? But at least you don't have to worry about breakfast. There'll be butter. There'll be milk. I mean, it's crazy. Of course not. Land flowing. And the, God didn't even say the land has milk and honey. Not has. The land flows. I bring you to a land flowing with milk and honey. So what is milk and honey a picture of? Prosperity. Abundance. Where you will drink from waters and from wells you did not dig. You will eat from uh, vineyards you did not plant. Amen. You will live in houses you did not build. And these were Canaanite houses because the giants lived there. So the giants built deep wells, big houses, and then they were evicted and God brought His people in. A land of rest where they live based on the work of another. All right? And don't forget, the land belongs to God's people in the first place. The giants were squatters there. Hmm? All right, so here's Hebraism, land flowing of milk and honey. Stiff neck. This is a stiff neck people. Yeah, I can tell. All of them move like that. I don't believe what you're saying. I don't believe. So stiff neck, does that mean they are? <laughs> no, of course not. How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. God loves you people. Amen. All right, He wants you to learn His language of love and the language of the Bible is quite poetic. It's not, it's not quite. It's very poetic. It's very beautiful. That does not mean there's no real, tangible, eternal, facts and truths illustrated in it. All right? So, Numbers 33. God said to the children of Israel, if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. Does that mean that the Amalekites are all uh, 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 dragging the children of Israel by the eye? You can see their, their shoes sticking out from their eyeballs. Or is it you can see their, their hand coming out from their sides? No, of course not. These are expressions. 
All right? These thorns in your sights are personalities. The thorn in, your, in the sight of Paul is a personality also. But that is a demon personality. You can't see that. This one you can see. These are physical personalities. Okay, so once you compare Scripture with Scripture, you understand it is not a disease. All right? It is a personality. And Paul sought the Lord and asked the Lord, and the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, this personality is stirring up trouble, but God is using the trouble to bless and to open doors. You know, Paul was, Paul was uh, put in a prison in uh, Philippians. Uh, and in Philippians, he, wrote, he was in prison when he wrote the book of Philippians. And the book of Philippians has the word joy and rejoice uh, about 19 times. Joy and rejoice about 19 times. The word sin, no, zero. The word sin doesn't appear in Philippians. The word joy and rejoice appears 19 times. That tells you once you have resolved the problem of sin, joy, joy, and more joy is what's left. And our ministry must be such that, you know, when people are delivered from sin consciousness, what's left is joy. People feel a need to mention sin all the time. You'll find that the letters of Paul mention sin in his epistles very rarely. They do mention. In fact, I think in Colossians, it's mentioned uh, three times. In uh, Ephesians, two times. That's interesting if you think about it. He, he focused on Jesus. I determined not to know anything among you but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Amen. We're going to go back to the New Testament preaching people. Amen. And all the people said, Amen, Amen, Amen. So Hebraism. All right. Uh, once that is clear, let's go to another uh, Hebraism that has caused a lot of people to uh, 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 read the verse incorrectly. And it is found in Paul's ministry again. Okay. Look up here in uh, 1 Corinthians 2. Paul says to the church of Corinth, all right, Paul says, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. In fear and in much trembling. Now, fear and much trembling. If the word fear appears alone, it is fear. If the word trembling appears by itself, it is the word trembling. But if fear and trembling appears together, it's Hebraism. It's Hebraism for... With, with, in, let me ask my life. In, in view of all the good things that God has done for me, I must be careful. That's how you use it in Philippians. Work out your own salvation with fear, with fear and trembling. Right? Uh, it says like this. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. Why? Because it is God who works in you. The fact that God is working in us all the time, giving us ideas. Yeah, go to that man, give him some tip, all right, for his service, but tell him Jesus loves you and then drive off, all right? That's the Holy Spirit giving you ideas and giving you a flow. You thought it was you, right? Ah, very embarrassing. Nah, Singaporeans don't do things like that. That's what, you know, you become worldly. That's a worldly thinking that you just did. When the ideas come, it is God who works in you. So you work it out. What God is working in, you work out. Okay, God has God said, go to your wife now, tell her, I love you. So I just told her last night. That's worldly thinking. All right, you trust yourself more than you trust God. So work it out with fear and trembling in view of what God has, wow, God just spoke to me. I, I'm still awed by the fact that God speaks to me. So when you realize how much God speaks to you, you, you work it out with fear and trembling. So fear and trembling is like in view of all the good things that God has done. <sighs> Let me approach this. 
Like when I come up here, I always think, how much God loves all of you? Let me count the ways. You know, God loves all of you. Everyone that's watching and the people to be watching, all right, on, on television. GRC be watching in Dallas tonight, which is their morning. And America, Europe, Asia will be watching a few months later this sermon. And when I come out, I feel, I feel overwhelmed. All right, with all the goodness of God and the love that God has for these people. But I don't come out saying, I, I, why, why am I supposed to preach? What do I want to do? I feel so nervous. It's not about I. It's not about I. It's about Jesus and, the, and His church. And if I can approach like that, I'll be with you in, in great you know, awe. That's fear and trembling. Look at the result. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So you don't come out self-confident. I can do it. I, you know, then you'll fall flat on your face. You can say all the right words and God will not anoint it. God will not change lives by it. So you got to watch the two extremes here. One is so full of self. Both are full of self. One is full of self in the way of, uh, uh, I don't think I can do it. I'm very nervous. I am this. I, I, I'm not well trained. I'm like, blah, 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 blah. It's all about I in an inferior way. All right? The other one is arrogance. You're right? uh, no problem, man. I'll have the people eating out of my hand. I've heard expressions like that from preachers. Make me, you know, I feel afraid when I hear things like that. You know, when I see them not praying before they preach, not praying for that particular service. I cannot, I feel naked if I, if I don't pray. I'm so dependent on His grace. Right, only the Holy Spirit can unveil Christ. Amen. So, but look at the result, the result of Paul's ministry right here. The demonstration of the Spirit and of power. His speech became no longer enticing words of man's wisdom, but demonstration of the Spirit. Amen, people. Now, to confirm that fear and trembling is Hebraism, let's go to the Old Testament, which is written in Hebrew. We find this expression here in Jeremiah 33. God says, then it shall be to me that it shall, it's actually the land of Israel and the land of Judah, God's people. God says, it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise and an honor before all nations of the earth who shall hear all the good that I do to them. They shall, all the nations, shall fear and tremble. The, all the nations shall fear and tremble. Your colleagues, your friends, your relatives, they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and all the prosperity that I provide for it. Can I pray this for you? Can I pray that all the nations, nations means people, all right, or from different tribes, different nations of the world, amen, when they see you, they are overwhelmed. Why would God do this for you? In small Singapore, how come you can do that and we've been longer than you in the ministry? How come God did this for you? One of the guys who started out in business in our church never had an experience building a swimming pool. His first project, his first project was a very small project. The first time he ever built a swimming pool was a very small project with Marina Bay Sands to build that top swimming pool that floats the highest swimming pool in the world. That was his first project. He got the entire project. We have shared his testimony before. I think it's time for us once again to share the testimony. Not now, in the future. That was his first project. 
Go talk to him, he'll tell you it's the favour of God. People are fearing and trembling. And, 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 and people talk about Singapore's, uh, 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 you know, uh, landmarks and all that. They talk about Marina Bay Sands, right? But especially that surfboard right on top with that floating infinity pool. Pastor Mark calls it infirmity pool. But <laughs> Pastor Mark is our Chinese pastor. Infinity pool. He built it. <laughs> His first project. His first project. So the people who know about it, they fear and tremble for all the goodness and all the prosperity that God has provided for him. Now, this can only be true, all right? If you look at the verse before verse 9, the context, I will cleanse them. Have you been cleansed? From all their iniquity by which they have sinned against me, and I'll pardon all their iniquities. Have you been pardoned? By which they have sinned and by which they have transgressed against me. Then, then it shall be. God says that all the people would fear and tremble for all the goodness. We always think of fear and trembling means, oh, God is coming to judge. Oh, God is going to curse you. Oh, God is going to, you know, uh, bad things are going to happen. No, 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 friend. Hebraism, beautiful. When fear and if fear by itself, yes. Trembling by itself, yes. But fear and trembling put together is Hebraism. For the overwhelming goodness of God. And for those who don't uh, believe in prosperity, no problem, it won't come to you. It's only for people who believe it. All right, number one is for people who have been forgiven. Verse eight, cleansed and forgiven. And then it's for people who are open, all right, for all the goodness and all the prosperity. How many want all the goodness and all the prosperity? Oh, how many want to take one half? I'll, I'll, I'll take God's goodness. I don't believe in prosperity. I'll just take all, good, all, the, all the goodness of God. Amen, go ahead. God won't force blessings on your head. Don't forget that, amen? And... Uh, God says, who provides for it? I provide for it. He'll take the check. He'll pay for it. And he has done so through the cross. Amen? I don't believe in materialism. I don't believe in being selfish with what God has given you. And as for those of you who are against prosperity, many of you drive three cars, you live in big houses, all right? You're just jealous that others are prospering. But you can prosper. Others cannot. Bad. Okay, praise God. People that are against, many of them, they are prospering. Just don't be selfish. When God blesses you, don't forget Him. Amen. Don't forget Him. Don't forget the poor. Don't forget the suffering, and especially those who need the gospel. The gospel needs to go out. Amen. When God positions you, it's always for a purpose. So, okay, we have cleared the Hebraism, fear and, fearing and trembling. One more, one more illustration from the New Testament. And this is a beautiful story. If you are sick, listen. Um, this woman came to Jesus and she had a condition in her body that by the law of Moses, she, she'll be stoned for appearing in public with that condition. So the Bible tells us in Mark 5, immediately she, she touched the hem of Jesus' garments kept on saying to, within herself, if I, touch the, if I touch the hem, the very extremity of his clothes, the Lord's clothes, I shall be healed. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she fell in her body, faith first before she fell. Faith first before you feel. She released faith. 
She fell in her body, she was healed of the affliction and Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you? You see, touching Jesus doesn't mean it happens. The multitude was touching him, but one touch with faith and received. The rest never stopped Jesus in his tracks, but one did. And Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? Next. He looked around to see her who had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling. Why? Because the Lord's about to scold her? No, a lot of people read, read into that. Uh, the Lord's about to scold her or she feel like she's going to get a judgment from the Lord. No, she's fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her. She's fearing and trembling because she's overwhelmed. I am healed. She's fearing and trembling because she knew what was done in her. Uh, don't, don't read into things. Amen. I'm going to pray for you at the end of the service that God will make your life such that the world will fear and tremble for all the goodness and for all the prosperity. Yeah, because Jesus says to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Daughter, your faith has made you well. So actually, it was Jesus who made her well, but the Lord wants you to know that He will not force blessings on you. So He put her right where she didn't, she didn't even say, I have faith, I have faith. She had a wonderful revelation of Jesus. Compared to the rest who were stronging Him. Some touched Him like a, a movie star or a celebrity, you know what I'm saying? All right? But she had the touch of faith. She knew who He was. You know, the Lord hides His glory Many a times he came, he could have come as an emperor. He could have come as, as a warrior. He could have come as the wealthiest man in Israel. He could have come many, many, many ways because he's the only one who can choose which family to come, where to be born, how to be born, amen, when to be born. He's the only one. And he chose a place where they had no room for him when he came. He chose at a time when Israel was under oppression, subjugation. Amen. And he left us an example that whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled. Amen. And amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Doesn't really matter who is right, who is wrong. You can say sorry, you'll be exalted. Not the other one. I say again. I don't know why I'm saying this. I just say, okay? I don't know why I'm saying this, but someone need to hear this. It doesn't matter who is right, who is wrong. If you are the one that humbles yourself, because every time you say sorry, it feels very humbling, all right? Then get ready for the exalting. It's not for the other person you say sorry to to be exalted. It's for you. Whoever humbles himself, God will not humble you. You don't want God to humble you. Never pray, God humble me. Don't ever pray that. The Bible never tells you to ask God to humble you. Pray. The Bible always say, Humble yourself. Because <laughs> if God humbles you, let me tell you this. I've got some experience there. When God humbles you, uh, you'll cry. Okay? Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Isn't this wonderful? Are you all learning, people, about this wonderful Hebraism? The Bible uses the word, you know, it's interesting that uh, Jewish people, when they, when they toast, they have wine. 
Be very clear, all those you fault finders, this is not wine. <laughs> all right, it's not champagne, okay? It's water, maim. You know what, how they toast their glass of wine? Le. Say it. Lechaim. All right, what's lechaim? Lechaim means to life. Have you noticed life is plural? Life, I'm, there's a mem there at the end making it plural. Lechaim. Chai is singular. Chaim is plural. So life, for them, life is, whenever the Bible uses plural in Hebrew, that means intense life, abundant life. Abundant life. Life that is life. Full of life. Great life. Wonderful life. Life, 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 life. Haim, plural. By the way, the word for death is the word mut. Mut. Singular. Mut. Or you pronounce muf in Hebrew. But M-U-T will help you understand. M-U-T-H. Muf. Singular. But when someone dies violently, the move, the death becomes plural. So in your, it's like in your English, you have death, you have S, death. So when you read that, that means that person died violently. This person died in a terrible way. Do you know it's use of our Lord in Isaiah 53? That the Lord in His death, because Isaiah 53 talks about His his work, his redemptive work for us. And he mentioned in his death is plural. In his death. That means what? A violent death. Lechaim. Lechaim to all of you. Amen. There was two boys that God gave Joseph. The elder was God was called Manasseh. The younger was called Ephraim. Ephraim. So, Ephrat is fruit. Fruit. Ephraim, with a mem, that's our English S, is plural. It is double fruitfulness. It is very fruitful. What a name to call a boy, Ephraim. Ephraim. Double fruitfulness from Ephra. Bethlehem Ephrata. Fruitful Bethlehem, that's where Christ was born because there were two Bethlehems in the land of Israel. One in the north, all right? One where Christ was born, near Jerusalem. So they define it by Bethlehem Ephrata. Ephrat is fruitfulness. And Ephraim is double fruitfulness. You see, you understand that so far? So the, the Bible will use words, plural, for intensity. For example, there are many Psalms in, in the book of Psalms that goes, starts out like this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, he meditates on the word, right? Blessed there is literally all blessednesses. I, I use more, more than one <laughs> to emphasize the point. Oh, how, some Bible says, oh, how happy, you know, uh, to bring the Hebrew asher, asher into plural. Another way of saying plural is not just M at the end, but also asheri. When you have asheri, that means what? All the many, many happiness of the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Psalm 32 is the same. Asheri, blessed. And I believe Jesus said this at the Sermon on the Mount. When he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, he will say, Asheri, and it's plural. 
Amen. Many a times you don't see these things in the, in the Greek, but it's so beautiful that when God says you're blessed, you are blessed, 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 blessed. Blessed all over. <laughs> Asheri. Huh. So, when the Bible uses a word in its plural form, what is it? Intensity. All right? For violence. For, for double. Amen. So when Jesus says, I come to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. John 10.10. 10. Those people that, that, that hurt him, they can also say, my heart is beating. Yeah, my heart is beating. You can feel my heart beating. What do you mean you, you, you come to give me life? No, he, he's come to give you life. Not just for this earth. For all eternity. Amen. You're learning church? Is this blessing you? You want some more? You don't want to say a gift. All right. So, so here we have uh, fearing and trembling. And it's important that we understand this Hebraism. It even, even comes in the area of uh, confessing our sins. A lot of people say, well, you know, 1 John 1 9, confessing our sins is plural. So it cannot be a verse for, let's do it the verse first, 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, plural, right? Is it plural? Class, is the word sin there, plural? Sins, right? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, as you all know, all right, um, Paul never, if you are in the present truth, the Bible says it's good for you to be established in the present truth. The present truth is grace. If I live in the, in the time of David, the present truth is the law. I will keep the law. I'll be confessing my sins all the time. Okay? I'll be going to the temple all the time. Or no temple during David's time, but the tabernacle of David. I'll be doing that all the time. But I'm no more in David's present truth. I'm now, and Peter says in his episode, to be established in the present truth. And the present truth is grace. Paul wrote three-fourths of the New Testament and never once, even to those who are living carnal in Corinthian, never once in his spirit-inspired letters, did he ever say, confess your sins? So obviously, we are reading something in the Old Testament, bringing it here. So why did John say it? Why did John say it? If we confess our sins. All right? John, Peter, James, their letters are written, prim listen carefully, prim it's, it, all the Bible is for us, from Genesis to Revelations, but not all written to us. Every scripture is for our benefit. If I write today's sermon in point form and I, and, I, and, I, and I title it, okay, for Pastor Benjamin, all right, I seal in an envelope. Gone are those days of envelope. Again, I send it to him. Some, someone saw the envelope, opened it up, not knowing it's PNC, read it, say, wow. This is good revelation. But then he looks on top there. Hi, Benjamin. It's meant for Benjamin. You can illustrate your text as well, your email or whatever. It's not meant for your eyes. But did you benefit from the revelation? The revelation is universal. Did you benefit? Yes. Right? But some parts, I tell Benjamin, hey, Benjamin, that money that you owe me, which he didn't, I'm illustrating. You know that, that, that $50, you haven't written it yet. The, the, the reader... You know the, the busy body reader? 
right? It's not the one who's supposed to pay the $50. So some things is written for Israel, it's for Israel. You need to discern, okay, that the church is not in the Old Testament, it was a mystery then. Okay, I want to say that because of time. I want to focus on the Hebraism. But here, I just want to tell you, confess our sins is plural. So someone says, well, Pastor Prince, it's plural. I'll, 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 I'll approach that in a while's time. But let's, let's go back to uh, John, Peter, James. Go to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians tells us very clearly, and don't forget, it, you must put this in your pocket somewhere, okay? Gone are those days when they had pockets. You know? <laughs> when James, Kephas, Kephas is Peter, and John... James, Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, Paul is talking, they gave me, Paul and Barnabas, the right hand of fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles. So Paul's ministry is to the, talk to me people, non-Jews, including Singaporeans, including the Americans. Most of them, most of us, are not Jews although we have Jews living amongst us, right? But look at Peter, James, and John. We should go to the Gentiles. Paul and Barnabas should go to the Gentiles. And they, James, Peter, and John, they to the circumcised. Very clear that Peter, James, and John's ministry is to the circumcised. Are you, are you listening, people? So when they write their letters, there's a bit of difference compared to Paul. Paul will write to all the saints in Rome. If... if, if 1 John chapter 1 opens up to all the saints. I would agree chapter 1, chapter 1 was written to the believers. But it was not. The opening was like, we saw him, we touched him, our eyes saw him, our, our, we have looked on him, we have handled him, we declare to you. That is a continuation of his gospel of John when Jesus says, handle me. Because what happened was that the Gnostics came in and said that Jesus Christ didn't come in the flesh. So that's why John opened his letter the way he opened. Okay? Are you with me so far? So, when you read in 1 John, for example, verses like this, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So, because of this verse, some people say, you see, salvation is not eternal. Redemption is not forever. Why? Because whoever hates his brother, how can you hate your brother? This expression is only used for Christians. Only Christians have this brother-brother thing. Am I right? Which means it's possible to hate your Christian brother and end up with no eternal life. That's how they conclude. Now, the thing is this, friend. When it comes to John, John writes like James writes to all the 12 tribes. Obviously, all the 12 tribes are not saved. But you know how he calls them? Brethren. For Christians especially, he will use beloved brethren. Many times, beloved is for Christians. And, and so does uh, John. John used beloved for Christians. But a brother can be a Jewish brother who's not saved. He, John, Peter, James, and John calls not unsafe, unsafe Jewish people, brother. Okay? Even though they're not safe, they are their bros. Yo, bro kind of wish you knew. Your eyes was open to the fact that the Messiah came, bro. Messiah came, bro. He came, bled, died, was raised from the dead, y'all. <laughs> he calls them brother, okay? Context. 
when Paul writes, he never calls the non-Christian brother. Because Paul's ministry is to the Gentiles. Okay? Now, back to 1 John 1, 9. Confess our sins. So, Pastor Prince, if you say that this is a salvation verse, it says sins. A sinner cannot, cannot confess and elaborate, adumbrate, elucidate his sins one by one, right? They probably come to God and say, you know, God, I'm a sinner. That's the most, right? How can you say this, confessing our sins? Here's where Hebraism comes in. Hebraism comes in when you say, God, I'm a sinner. A sinner. I have sinned against you. All right? You are an intense sinner, you know that. You're a sinner with plural, sins. If we confess our sins, it's no more than a Hebraism. That means you come to God. Now, this happened also. Let me give you another example. All right? Don't just take this one, one isolated verse. Let me give you Mark chapter 1. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him. Who is the him there? John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the first Baptist ever. Then all the land of Judea and those that from Jerusalem went out to John the Baptist and were all baptized by John in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Plural. Now I tell you this. They all came in a line. John was dunking them. All right? Dunking them. Dunking them. They only managed to confess how many sins do you think? From the, I remember my childhood, I did this to my mama. You know, okay. you know brother, it's a long queue behind you. Can you just <laughs> confess like on uh, fast forward, you know? Do you think that's the expression they use? No. That means they came to John saying, I'm a sinner. That phrase is used for turning away from sin to turning away to God. And by the way, they use confessing their sins. People say that confessing your sins can only be done by believers. Well, are these people believers in Christ? These people that came to John the Baptist, are they believers in Christ? Here's a newsflash. He has not yet manifested. He was there, but not yet manifested to them. Are they believers in Christ? Obviously not. And then the argument is, 1 John 1.9 is in present tense. Really? Check this out. Confessing their sins is also in present tense. Does that mean right now, right now, as I speak, they are now in River Jordan, those folks are still down there confessing their sins because present tense, that means it's still happening? No. Because present tense, and those Greek scholars will know that present tense is not just something that's happening at the moment. It can also mean characteristic. Amen. Like soap washes. Blood, the blood of Jesus cleanses. It's used in the present tense, but it's also characteristic. And here is the characteristic of those who turn away from sin to God to confess their sins. It's an Hebraism for what? They, they turn from sin to God. Okay? So don't let the argument present tense, because this is also present tense. If that is not characteristic, that is present, then this must be present. And we go to Israel, in the River Jordan, we will see them there still. 2,000 years old. I've been here confessing for a long time. Okay? So, these are just the facts, people. Amen. So, you, you are left to judge, but you are just, even you don't understand the Greek and all that, just pause. Because some people argue with Greek, so I have to argue with Greek. Okay? But it's all Greek to people who are listening, many of them. So, I just tell them, pray, tell me, all right? How come Paul did not write? In all his 
Paul wrote three-fourths of the New Testament and never once, never once, never once did Paul ever tell someone, even in sin, to confess. And he had many opportunities with the church in Corinth. But he did tell them, what? You're going to the temple prostitutes. Don't you know when you join yourself to someone, you become one flesh. All the blessings that you have go to the person, the person's curses go to you. Don't you know it's like glue on two pieces of paper. You stick them, sex is like that. You stick them together, leave them for a while. Later, you try to tear off the individuality. You cannot tear it off. Something of that paper has gone into this paper and some things in this paper has gone to that paper. Don't you think for one moment sex is just a physical act? When you leave the person tomorrow, doesn't matter anymore. You take the person with you. And if the person has disease, you take the disease. Sex is not just body. Pity the world. They have only one third sex. They think they have the best. We got spirit, soul, body. <laughs> You just get to say amen, right? Amen, Pastor Prince. <laughs> Go for it, man. Now they're telling us how to use it. God made it. God designed us. He knows how best to use it. He wants to... God, oh God, God doesn't want us to uh, find out about each other more and more. You know, we get to know each other. and uh, How to know each other if we don't stick together. Whether we are good for marriage or not. The guy will always say that. You are the one carrying the baby. Baby. <laughs> and what the movies don't show you are, are the, the abortion clinic sitting outside. Or even before that, at home. Oh, I'm late. How come I'm late? Oh no. And the guy is in the, in the soccer game. Yeah! Oh, oh, oh. And the girl goes through all kinds of terrible, tormenting, torturous, Thoughts that the movies never show. And God loves them. And if not, God is against sex. God wants them to have the best sex with a clear conscience, with security, spirit, soul, and body. There's no such thing as it's more pleasurable for the world than for the Christian. One time they did a study. I don't know who in the world makes studies like this, but it's a true, it's a true story. <laughs> they made a study and they found out that evangelical Christians have greater sex than people outside this circle. When you talk about sex in church, it gets very quiet. <laughs> It's like the door is closed already. <laughs> the children are downstairs. Hey, you're in church! That's the place to talk about things like this, man. Until now you're so sharp, no wonder. Okay, don't, get, don't distract me, you guys. Confessing their sins. So God really wants the best for you. The devil always comes to, you know, you and just like what you did with Adam and Eve and say, God is depriving you. You know, God says, every tree you can eat. Wow, you know, the abundance of the species and the myriads of species of trees that they can eat and they are the only beneficiary. I said they are the only beneficiary. It's not just an overflow. It's a super, 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 extra superfluous overflow because they're the only one, the only two and God oversupplied for these two. And God says, every one of them you can eat. 
In fact, you can't travel fast enough, far enough to eat everything. It's all best. And the devil came and said, God says you cannot eat of every tree. See that? That's why he's telling our young people. Number two, he's telling you, God knows in the day you eat of it, you'll be like God. Wait a minute. The Bible says God made us in His image. They were already like God. Identity crisis. Makes you think when you do this, that some people want to add to grace. Oh yeah, yeah, the grace is good and all that, but we need more than that. That's the problem with Galatians. That's the problem with Colossians. And Paul had to write, telling them, I determine not to know, even Corinthians, I determine not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's the only thing I want to know from you. And you know how you go deeper? You go deeper in the cross. You go deeper in the person of Christ. That's how you go deep. There's nothing Jesus plus something. No such thing. It's not Jesus plus holiness. Jesus is holiness. You stay close to Him, you'll smell like Him, you'll sound like Him, you'll talk like Him, you'll be holy like Him. There's nothing outside. Amen? Is this helping you all? Right, so... I just want to say this in closing. The Bible tells us that the way to know God is like this. In Jeremiah, if you think about this, before I, I, I show you this, what is it you're looking for, people? Really, some of you are in your 40s already, some of you in your 50s. Don't pursue things that don't really satisfy. Don't spend money on things that don't satisfy. All right? Don't, don't, don't live life just making money. You're making money, you're supposed to be using money now already. You know, and it doesn't mean you need money all the time for the great things in life. There are many things you can do with your family, your children, you don't need money. All right, having said that, I'm going to pray all the prosperity that God provides for you. All right, so, but the thing is that even our children, they don't need the kind of toys they are using now. Just saying that, I'm not saying you don't buy for them, just saying that there was a time everyone was happy. Whenever we go, we go to the mission trip, and the mission field to all these poorer countries in the villages. The children are playing out there in the mud. And I tell you this, I've yet to see a child, unless the child fell down or whatever, a child sat, crying. They're all laughing. No iPad. No iPhone. Jordan in my class has iPhone 6 Plus. <laughs> minus, minus. That makes mine minus already. You know, they, and really, parents, what are we teaching our children? We are ra raising another bunch of materialistic people. I got no time to talk about all these things, but actually, what is it that you want in life? What is it? What's the greatest thing? Can God advise you? God who knows, who lived before you, and who will live long after you are gone from this earth. God with whom there can be no mistake. God who loves us perfectly tells us this. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Don't be on this pursuit of intelligence. The more you know, the better it is. Life is in knowledge. Knowledge is all things. I can tell you, people who are spending time getting this, they must read every article on the landing page of their search engine. They must read every article. They must know what happened to Prince Charles. They must know whatever happened to this media artist this celebrity, they must know. What has that knowledge done for your health? What has that knowledge done to put money in your pocket? I tell you what, it's done. It's frittering away your time. It's stealing your time. 
I'm not saying these things are wrong. I'm just saying your time is too precious. So your pursuit in life must cover this. And then let not the mighty man, God says, let not the mighty man glory in his might. Tomorrow, go again. I'm, I'm not against gym. I have a pair of weights that I use sometimes. So I'm not jealous of people doing that. I'm not jealous of their bodies also. I like to walk normal. I don't like to walk. Okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Don't write to me, okay? Don't. I, I, <laughs> I mean, build your body, but don't, don't go extreme, okay? God says, let not the mighty man. And mighty man here is really, literally, this strength here. The strong man. Glory in his strength. Let not the rich man glory. That's not your laugh. Your laugh at the, you know, at the intelligent one. Yeah, geeky. Then you look at the one who is uh, the body one, you know. This one, all body but no brain, you know. <laughs> now it's your turn. Are you pursuing riches? One more million. Not enough now. Another million. Just, just one more million will make me happy. I'm waiting for that house to sell. I'm waiting for this to come in. I'm waiting for the ship to come in. I'm waiting for the... I, just, just. One day we'll go, darling. One day, one day we'll go. One, one day we'll spend time. One day. Like Cat in the Cradle. A song about a father. It's an old song. The father tells the son, Sunday, Daddy, come up. Let's play ball together. Daddy says, another day, son. Just another day. Today, Daddy has to close this contract, whatever it is, Daddy's off. Then another time, he says, Daddy, let's do this together. Daddy says, sure, we'll, we'll do it when we have time, son, when I have time. And the boy started growing up. The boy got married. And the boy has children of his own. The father is now old. The father calls the boy up and says, hey, it's been some time now. How about we go out together? Dad, you know, I, I really want to, but you know, one child is down with the flu and, and uh, the boss really wants, you know, there's a deadline for me to meet next week. And uh, I really would love to, Dad, one of these days. One of these days. So the father hangs up the phone and the father says, my boy has turned out just like me. So what are you raising in the next generation? People who are materialistic? Pursuing all these three? Hmm? And none of it is wrong per se. But it's wrong when that becomes your life. All right, but let him who glories or boasts, boasts or glory in this, God says, this is God, you know, talking, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, justice or judgment and righteousness in the earth, for in this I delight, says the Lord. And that's what we are pursuing here. That's what we're pursuing in our studies. Amen. Things are waiting us. How do I know the Lord, Pastor Prince? How do I know the Lord? It's a big question. We know that Daniel, the book of Daniel, it says the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. It's a, we have books and books and books on knowing God. The most important, knowing God, knowing God, knowing God. I'll close with knowing God. In a way, probably you never heard. But those of you in our church for some time, you know what I'm talking about. Look at the new covenant God makes with us. It has this clause, Hebrews 8. 
This is the terms of the covenant. I'm, I'm going to show you the terms of the covenant. We are on the last clause of the covenant. New covenant. God said, I make a new covenant with the house of Israel, the house of Judah. I'll put my laws in their hearts and their minds. I'll write them. I'll be their God and they shall be my people. And then God says, none will teach each other. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother saying, know the Lord for all shall know me. Know the Lord, all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. If you can just take a little a bit of Greek here, it will help you a lot because it says know the Lord. The word know here, the know the Lord is genosco. It's to know by effort. It's to know someone by, you know, the way we, we know each other is by effort, by experience. By effort or by experience, genosco. But here it says, uh, none will teach his brother, know the Lord by effort or by experience, for all shall know me. Know here, know here is Ida in, in, in uh, Greek. Different from Ginosko, Ida. You know what's Ida? Ida is an inward revelation. By the way, that woman fearing and trembling when she received healing from Jesus because she knew what happened in her, the word knew there is Ida. She knew inside. It's a revelation no one can take away. It's not, it's not by effort, it's not by experience. Isn't that what we want? Theologians, pastors, leaders, teachers, isn't that what we want in, to see in our people? Not just a, a knowledge of, of, by experience, because their experience can be wrong, but a revelation within that comes from God. Huh? How do we have that? How do we have this? None of them shall teach his neighbor, none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them. Because the word for is hafi in Greek, which means because. Because, why will we all know the Lord in this new covenant? Because I, God says, will be merciful. And the word that's propitious, the mercy seat, to their unrighteousnesses. That's the original Greek, by the way, plural. And their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. If we preach on verse 12 strongly, if pastors and leaders will bring up before the people, not the Ten Commandments, that was the old truth, that was the present truth in the days of David, in the days of Elijah, in the days of Moses. But we bring them the new covenant and we tell them, God is able to put His laws in your heart. God is able to make you know Him. Why? Because He'll be merciful to your unrighteousnesses and your sins and your lawless deeds. God says, I remember no more. Amen. If only we preach that, people will know God. But the naysayer says, oh, people, people go crazy and, and you're giving people license to sin. How can you say that about God's words? You mean to tell me you have more safety valves in place? than God's own holy, infallible Word. Preach the truth. Let the people believe the truth. And let the truth manifest. Right believing will always lead to right living. Again, what produces true knowledge of God? Because they will all know me because I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and lawless deeds. 
Unrighteousness, unrighteousness here in the original. Greek is also plural. I don't know why they put singular here. Unrighteousnesses. It's all plural. Their sins, plural. Their lawless deeds. You study them, it talks about the sins that you went over the line. The sins of, you didn't go over the line, but it's inside you, in your head, in your heart. The sins that you commit, they're all covered. When Christ died, God says, I'll be propitious. Propitious there is the mercy seat. I'll be merciful. Do we hear this preach? We should, we should emblazon this verse and put it as posters. But instead, you go to many houses, Christian houses, you have the Ten Commandments. I'm serious. You don't have this new, new covenant? What new covenant? You ask people to quote the new covenant, they, many Christians don't even know. But the last clause makes everything work because God says, I, I, I will do this, I will do that, I will do this because I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. A little more last great thrown to you, no more is very emphatic, no more. Ume. Two negatives put together, strengthening the denial, which means no way, ever, never, never, remember your sins again. Does that make you want to sin? Does it make you want to sin? Really, when the truth is being preached, do you really want to sin? In fact, down through the years, one or two who want to live in sin, want to divorce their wife or Every church has them. We have seen them leave the church. They, they, it's easier for them to sit every Sunday under the stones, the Ten Commandments, than before a loving Savior that's being preached every Sunday. It's hard for them to hang around. Either they repent or they leave. If this church is indulgent, anything goes. Why did they leave? It's hard to sin against a loving Savior. Your wife reacts and all that. I just want you to know, if you, you can manage this. Lah. Just want you to know, I love you so much. I'm so sorry. I tell you, 99.9% .9 of the time, ladies will melt. You, where's my mic? Yeah, okay. You can scold them later, but... <laughs> but when they're angry, that's not, the, that's not the time to do it. We operate in certain kind of intelligence, you know, I don't know why. Like when the referee flash, all right? Yellow card. Professionals, people who have played in hundreds of games, still go to the referee. I never one time said, I see the referee. <sighs> never one time. Have you seen it? Oh, every time they come to the referee, referee say, penalty spot, you know? you know. And these are professionals that have played so many games, hundreds, many of them hundreds, and they still do that. So, doesn't mean that we grow with experience. We grow by revelation. Like 
why bring up this negative thing when my wife is not in the posture, emotional posture to receive it? That's wisdom. Amen. Sometimes you... Okay, never mind. This is not a marriage seminar, but I'm just flowing with the Spirit. Praise God. Has this helped you? All right? So don't forget, church. That clause makes everything happen. I pray that this has blessed you, and I want to pray a blessing over you. Jeremiah 33, I want that blessing to happen to you. I want people to look at you and say, surely your God is with you. You know, Zechariah prophesied that, that people will come in the last days, and they will take hold, hold, hold your your clothes and say, God is with you. Take me to Him. That's prophesied. And uh, in 1 Corinthians, uh, uh, Paul mentions that prophecy actually. It was a reference to that prophecy that people would say, surely God is in you. That's the same prophecy. They would hold your clothes. And the world, you know, one thing good, listen carefully as I close. One thing good about the world being exposed and exposed and overexposed to seeing things that during our, you know, maybe a few decades ago, you can't find this on the internet or on your iPhone, but our young people are seeing these images and that kind of thing, and you're saying, too late. I'll tell you something, God can work everything out for good. There's something about being exposed to, to uh, uh, you know, nakedness or whatever. Uh, you come to a point where you're jaded. You find that movies, violent movies become something that leaves you an empty feeling, and the world become, or they become addicted to something, and, and they, are, they, are, they are living life with trembling and, and, and uh, they are living life with, with, with uh, trepidation and they are afraid, but their friends do not know it. Some of them, they are afraid to die, but they, are, they, they won't tell their friends, so they act macho, all right? It has its own built-in penalty. So if we can't get them here, they're already here, then being exposed to all these things will bring them to a place where it just makes them feel empty. Then the gospel will come in. Amen. Are you listening, people? And that's the reason why Christian movies right now, whether it's television or movies and all that, is making a comeback. Amen. And, and many of it is done in a worldly way because worldly directors are behind it, worldly storytellers are behind it, but they know the world is responding now to Christian message. Well, what they need is the gospel. Amen. Amen. Give Jesus the praise. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed, all across this place and everywhere that's watching this right now. Thank you, Father in heaven. I want to pray for you at the end of this. And I believe that God is always present to confirm the word. That's the last chapter of Mark. The Lord confirming the word. Confirming the word. I love that. But before we do that, perchance there's someone here, you have never put your trust in Christ in His finished work. Friend, salvation is when you stop saying please and you start saying thanks. When you stop trying and start trusting. When you stop doing and start to rest in the done. Christ bore your sins on that cross. And God raised him from the dead. And through him is preached to you the forgiveness of all your sins. And when God has cleansed and pardoned you, then and only then can God provide for you all the goodness and all the prosperity that he has for you.
If that is you, wherever you are right now, friend, I don't believe that you watch this program by happenstance. I don't believe for one moment that anyone hearing this sermon has not been placed there by God. I believe everyone heard this sermon because God wanted you to hear it. And friend, if that is you and you say, Pastor, I want to put my trust in my loving Saviour and pray this prayer right now with me from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I want to thank You for Your gift of love. You knew that I had gone astray like a sheep. You heard my cry. Even though I didn't pray, You heard the cries of my heart and You cared. You loved me. You could have let me go to hell, but You cared and You sent Your Son to die for my sins. And You raised Him from the dead. And today He's at Your right hand. My righteousness, that's what He is before You. I confess, Jesus Christ is my righteousness, my Lord and my God. Father, I am now Yours. You are my Father. All my sins are forgiven, totally forgiven, and I'm your child. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen, 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 amen. Praise God, praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, stand to your feet, church. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Don't be afraid of the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day. No plague will come near your dwelling. No mercy will come near your dwelling. Alright, just remember this, that God, God prepared us already last year, okay, with Psalms 91, and He wants us to walk in it, the truth of it. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Lift your hands all across this place. The Lord bless you with the blessings of Abraham. The Lord blessed you. The Lord caused everything that you touch to prosper. The Lord caused everything that is against you to work for you and for your good. The Lord make your enemies that come against you to flee before you seven ways. The Lord bless the fruit of your body, your children. If they are studying, they're preparing for exam, the Lord prosper them in their exams. The Lord prosper them without stress, but with peace, aggressive peace, garrisoning their hearts and minds. The Lord keep you, protect you and your families wherever you go, wherever you travel, at home and out, wherever you are. The Lord preserve, protect you and your loved ones from the MERS disease, from every plague, from every harm, from every danger, from accidents, from every disease. Through His shed blood, the Lord favours you, grant you supernatural favour. The Lord provide for you all goodness, all prosperity that will cause the people around you to say, wow, I want to know your God, that they will fear and tremble with all the goodness and the prosperity that God provides for you. The Lord lift up His countenance on you and all those of you in GRC as well, grant to you 
and all your loved ones is shalom, wholeness, well-being, health, and peace. Be in health. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. See you again, church. Love you guys. You've been listening to Pastor Joseph Prince, and we trust that you've been blessed. For more information on our messages, books, and videos, do visit our website at josephprince.com. Register today and receive a complimentary MP3 message. You'll also receive an exclusive Meditate and Believe Right daily email by Joseph Prince. Be greatly blessed, highly favored, and deeply loved.